Morning, everybody. Welcome to H2O. How are you? My name is Matt Party, one of the pastors here. And as Kent mentioned, we are in Hebrews chapter 11 going through the Hall of Faith. And in Hebrews 11, we have this amazing checklist of all these great men and women that really put their heart out there to have faith in what God was doing uh, in and through them in this world. And this checklist that we're going through over the summer uh, called the Hall of Faith just reminds us of how important it is for us to have faith. We talked about that definition of believing something that we don't yet see. Having faith that God is doing things when the things around us maybe don't give us the indication that things are going to work out and how important hope is. And uh, as we're going to be talking about Noah today, Noah was commanded to build something. And it was making me think about all the building things that are going on around us right now. It's summertime, and so there's lots of construction, right? Right out in front of our church here for weeks and weeks, they've had all this equipment out there. They're tearing up the streets. And I, if you're like me, whenever you're driving downtown Bowling Green or you're on the highway or you're experiencing these different places under construction, it can be frustrating, right? There's orange barrels everywhere and there's detours and um, you're just kind of amazed at the amount of work and construction and people and time and energy that has to go into build something that we really do appreciate. You know, we love having running water. We love having uh, natural gas to heat up our houses in the winter. We love smooth roads. And in this same mindset of construction, I was remembering years back when my wife and I decided to buy this really old house and do this flip house type of thing. And we tore down this house pretty much to the foundation and the studs um, in this house. So, and if you've ever done anything like that, I know lots of people in this church right now are doing some different housing construction projects, you will learn that people say all the time, it's going to take a lot more time than you think, it's going to be harder than you think, and it's probably going to cost you more money than you think. And you start kind of getting a little frustrated if you're always going to Home Depot back and forth, making the same trip over and over again, and those really experienced, awesome people at Home Depot are like, oh, this is really easy. You can take this home and just do this, and it'll take you like 30 minutes, and you'll be done. And I just want to like grab that guy by the shirt sometimes. Even though they're extremely helpful, it always takes me much longer to do the project um, than what you think it might uh, entail. So whether it's road construction or it's house construction, there's hard work, there's time, and it's usually really difficult. And that is the same case that happened here with Noah. God is going to visit Noah. God is going to speak to Noah. And he's giving him this construction job. He's giving him this opportunity to impact mankind through him building something. And it's really amazing, and there's all kinds of practical applications and analogies that we're going to talk about here this morning that really do apply to our lives. So let's jump in. It's just one verse in Hebrews 11. That's all that Noah has here. So let's read that together, Hebrews 11:7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. 
So let me break this verse down very quickly. Is Here's another man, just like this mentioning, all these men and women had to do something amazing for God in faith. So by faith, Noah has to do something. What does he do? Is First, he has to hear God. It says he was being warned by God. God spoke to him. God interacted with him. God wants to speak and interact with us. And God came to him and said, the world is in danger, and I want to warn you about this. This is going to happen, and I want you to do something about it. There was maybe no sign of it. There wasn't a pouring down rain. The water wasn't filling up yet. There wasn't an immediate urgency because of a flood. But he says, I want to warn you of these things that are not yet seen. And in his holy fear, because he had this awe, another translation says he had this awe for God, this holy fear of God. He said, I have to listen. I have to respond to what God has said to me. And it ends up he saves his family. His faith that the world was going to be condemned. He had to have faith in that. That's a really hard challenge that God said to him, isn't it? Can you imagine interacting with God and God saying, this is not a pleasant message for any of us. I'm sure it wasn't for Noah. He said, I am so unhappy with the rest of the world that they're going to be punished. They're going to be condemned. And it says, by faith, he had to believe that. He had to believe that God was going to bring judgment. And so because he believed and because he had faith, he was an heir of this righteousness that came with that. <clears throat> so as we approach our things in life, as we approach our journey with God in the same way that Noah had to have faith of these things that might happen, God is telling us through these verses that there could be things that are going to happen in our lives that are going to be very difficult. And God wants to interact with us. He wants to whisper things in our ears and says, I want you to prepare for these things, the storms that are going to come in your life, the things that I'm doing in you and in the people around you. He wants to give us this blueprint for living so that we are strong, so that our lives are preserved, our spiritual lives are preserved, and the people around us. So here's the big idea that I want you to take away from today with faith that you and I need. We can follow the blueprints that God has given us to build something for him. With faith, follow the blueprints that God has given you to build something for him. He wants to do this in every one of our lives. The scripture is just filled with it. And it isn't something that we can avoid as Christians, we are tempted, just like everyone else, to kind of tune out these difficult messages and to think, no, my life's going to be pretty easy. I long for a comfortable life. And if I just kind of be nice to people and I come to church every once in a while, I think my life will be pretty easy. And maybe I can avoid these kinds of warnings or these challenges that people have in life. And the Bible says, no, that's not the case. God says, you're either running to me and you're pursuing me and you're building this firm foundation or you're not. You're building something that isn't going to last. And even if we're trying to walk through life in apathy, trying to avoid these challenges, we're not building something that God wants us to build. We are building something every day. This is one of your fill-ins in your handout if you're following along. 
Are we building the structure that God wants? Whether you recognize that every single day, every moment, you're building something. You're either building something that's glorifying to God and you're building something that's really going to last for eternity or you're building something that isn't what God wants. And not only is that affecting you, but the people that you influence that are watching your life, they could be watching you build something that isn't of value, that isn't what God wants. So let's go into a little bit deeper of this. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis even though Hebrews 11:7 only has this one verse that refers to Noah, we have all this detail and all this history about what Noah was going through. And so in Genesis chapter 6, we're just going to jump into one little part of the story here of why would God give him such a strong warning? Again, which is a really difficult message for all of us, and I'm sure it was for Noah, but here's what it says starting in verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race and, because, and, be, and become on the earth. And every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. So what God saw was that he had created mankind in his image and he wanted to have a relationship with mankind. He had given them in their hearts their conscience he had given them a way to live and to walk with him, and they just totally went away from it. They ran from God. And when God saw this, he said, wow, this displeases me so much. These people are so evil. They're so wicked. I love how it even refers to their hearts, not just in their actions. It's not just our actions that are important to God, but what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. And he said he saw this great wickedness of the whole human race, and how bad they'd become on earth, and that everything they did was selfish. Everything they did was evil. Everything was about themselves, and nothing had any thought of God and what he wanted. So we're going to skip down here to uh, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to these people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So the story of Noah is that God's bringing his judgment on this world that's violent, killing each other, torturing each other, filled with sin, filled with wickedness. And God is wanting to restart this with Noah and his family because he was a righteous man. And to preserve Noah and to kind of reboot this whole thing with the human race, he says, I want you to build this gigantic boat, a huge boat. He goes into the details, every part of it. He gives them the blueprints of exactly how to build this boat. It was 450 feet long. I'm not going to give you all the dimensions, but you can read it right in there in Genesis 6. 
he tells them, take this cypress wood. Another, another uh, translation says this, gopher wood. And I want you to start building this. And I want you to take this pitch, this tar, and I want you to put it all over these beams so that it's sealed up, so that it's going to withstand this flood. And later on, this flood begins. The, the rains are coming, the waters from the earth are coming, and all of the people are destroyed except Noah preserved in this boat. Him and his family and all of the animals that he's put in this ark. God commands them, go out two by two, male and female animals. All of these descriptions are in there. He tells them to bring them in to store up wood, uh, to store up uh, food in the ark to preserve these people. So I want to kind of just highlight really quickly this contrast that we see with Noah and the world. Why would God have something so drastic happen? And we kind of get to see this in the different descriptions that he talks about, about Noah. Here's some of the words that he uses with Noah. He says he was a faithful man. He was righteous. He was walking with God. I love that phrase, that throughout life he was intimate with God. He was walking with God. The things that God said to him, he interacted back with him. And he obeyed God and he was with him. He was obeying in this whole time of his life. He was building this firm foundation on what God wanted. The whole rest of the world was unfaithful, corrupt, violent, filled with destruction, tearing down the things that God wanted to build, and they were building on a, on a false foundation. So we see this drastic contrast of these, this man walking with God and everyone else walking away from God. And when we read things like that, the scriptures are just filled with these kinds of stories and these kinds of examples. And here we are all these years later reading these stories, and we kind of ask ourselves, where am I in this story? That is why we come here. That's why we sing these songs. That's why we worship together and we dive into the word to allow it to examine our own hearts. So as I ask you to reflect right now, what is your foundation and what are you building? What is your foundation and what are you building? Where do you see yourself in this story with Noah? Would you use those words to describe yourself as, man, I really want to be faithful to God. I want to hear from him. I want those warnings to come through my spirit and I want to respond I want to be building something that he's asking me to build. Or do you find yourself, when no one's looking, really struggling with being unfaithful to what God wants, giving ourselves to, to corruption and the things that he doesn't want? Take that moment to just kind of ask yourself, God, is there anything in my life that I'm, I'm going in the wrong direction and you want to redirect me? Those kind of warnings that he wants to give us, those kind of words are so important in our lives. I can think of the times in my past, and I've shared many of these vulnerable stories with you, where I really saw that fork in the road, and I heard God speaking to me to go this way, and I chose to go against him. Those times where I chose myself, I chose my own selfishness, I chose to turn away from what he said. And those times in my life, maybe you found this to be true in your life, 
those times always leave me with an incredible emptiness, with an incredible um, amount of shame and just the separation that it brings in my intimacy with God. And those are the down times of my life where there isn't joy. I don't consider those times the abundant life. But I can think of other times where I really did respond to him, even though it was difficult. And it's amazing how the intimacy comes and the strength from the Lord and just everything in my heart and in my mind is this resounding yes to God. And I love those songs that we sing. Though, though none go with him, I will follow. And those are the kinds of decisions that every one of us has in our hearts. And Jesus reminds the people of the same thing. We're going to jump into the New Testament here where Jesus gives this very similar word. And in his beautiful teaching, they say one of the most beautiful teachings ever given, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus stands up in front of the people and he gives this amazing teaching. It's so powerful. It's so insightful. The people were in awe of what Jesus was saying in those three chapters. And at the end of the preaching, he says this in Matthew 7, verses 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is saying, I want you to build something. Just like God said to Noah, I want you to build something in faith. Jesus is saying, I want you to build something in faith on me as your foundation. And the winds are going to come and the rains are going to come. Whether they're righteous or unrighteous, the same kinds of storms are going to come. And he says, I love you and I want you to have this abundant life, so build it on me. You know, the house that we're living in now um, is an old farmhouse, about a hundred-year-old house. And my wife's really great at just fixing up and renovating things, and she does such a beautiful job, and she's really handy. She's very capable. She's better at fixing things in the house than I am, and, uh, and I really appreciate that very much. And when we bought this house, we had all these ideas of how we wanted to renovate things, especially the kitchen. And unfortunately, when we started to tear apart the kitchen and we tore the cabinets apart, it was discovered that our foundation on our house was totally rotted out. The main boards that held up the kitchen were so rotten and deteriorated that it looked like the kitchen and the house were about to fall off of the foundation. Now, when you're renovating a house, you can imagine that's about the worst news you could possibly get. You want to throw a little paint on the wall and maybe change some outlet covers? I like that kind of work. But when you say your house is getting ready to fall because the foundation is rotted, that's terrible news. That's a bad day, okay, in the, in the life of a flipper. So we had to renovate it. 
we had to change it. I would have loved to just throw some drywall over that and not think about it, right? Is that the temptation when we find termites eating away or the foundations brittle or the, the boards that are holding it all up are about to fall? We would love to ignore that. We would love to naively know or naively think it's going to be okay. And you just want to kind of cover it with a cheap you know, uh, layer of paint. But we know that that's not right. We know that at some point that's going to falter. And so we need to dig in there and, and make the foundation right. And I love that because it's such a spiritual picture for us when we talk about renovation. As you start allowing God to dig into your life and into your heart, you may find some of your foundations are rotting you may find that some of the things that you're building upon, that you're going to for your security, are not what God wants. And that's a hard day. That's a difficult day as a Christian when you realize, man, I might have something rotten inside of me. I might have some termites eating away at the foundation that God wants for me. And we have that same temptation to ignore it. We have that same temptation to just live in secrecy, to dismiss it. And God's saying, no, I want to get to the very heart of the issue that's going to give you an abundant life long term. That when the storms come, you will be strong to your very core. And those are the times that we need Jesus. We need the gospel we need to realize that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of those things. Jesus died on the cross for your faulty foundation. And he loves you. And he knows. He can see the things that are unseen underneath that we're leaning on. And he's saying, I want to fix that. I want to forgive you of those things. Would you let me get in there and renovate the deepest parts of your life and show forgiveness so that you might be strong for decades to come. And when I think about those blueprints that he's given us and that, that to give us that structure, I think of these various areas of my life. And I ask you to reflect as this list comes up. You know, your spiritual life. How's the foundation of your spiritual life? Are you enjoying intimacy with God? Or are you just kind of going through the motions? Your relationships with others. Are you building that on a good foundation of Jesus? When you have hurts, when you have problems come in, and, and maybe you're not experiencing forgiveness in relationships with other people, God says, I want to come in and fix that. I want to help you forgive. I want to help you speak up to reconcile relationships. When we think about our marriages, are we building them on the foundation of of Christ. You know, just a few weeks ago, and my wife loves when I share these things because she believes that it's glorifying to God. Just a couple weeks ago, we had one of the hardest discussions in our 20 years of marriage. And it was hard. It was really hard to bring up some deep issues in our marriage. Vulnerable things. Sensitive things. And a lot of times, in times like that, everything in me is saying, just let's just not talk about this. I don't want to bring this up. 
I don't want to bring up how deep this is in my life. I don't want to bring it up how deep it is in her life. And everything about me wants to run. But these kinds of verses, these kinds of stories with Noah and with Jesus and all of these people, it says, by faith, do what I'm asking you to do. By faith, bring up these things and talk about these deep things in your marriage. And man, every time we do, it's scary and it's hard, but God gives us hope. God gives us restoration. And he brought us more intimate. I feel closer to my wife today than I did right before that difficulty a few weeks ago. And I praise God for that. I thank God for that, that in the world and in my own flesh, we would have never had those talks. But he pushes that envelope and says, there's something faulty in your foundation, and I want you to fix it. It's so amazing, so thankful with our children. What are the words that we're saying to our children? What are we raising them? How are we teaching them to have a foundation in God? In our campus, in our city, in our church, you think about your finances, our careers, our reputation, our identity, our influence. All of these things should be founded in Christ. And God can point to those things in your life and say, I'd like you to renovate some things. I'd like you to strengthen these areas according to my word. There's a couple of popular pictures I wanted to show you today uh, that <clears throat> maybe you have seen these when we have a faulty blueprint or we have faulty foundations. The one engineering mistake, obviously the engineering um, blueprints led them astray where these bridges don't align. In this one down below, the concrete and the foundation weren't strong enough to handle the wind. And these pictures remind us of like, how am I making things line up in my life? How am I making things work? And God says, I want you to just look to my word. That's our manual. That's the blueprint for your life. So we should be reading it all the time. We should be eagerly looking to God's word to direct us and engineer our lives. And this, this strength and this foundation is found in Christ. One of my brothers, I have five brothers, my second oldest brother, Paul, he works in the concrete business. Now, what he actually does is not make the concrete, but he tests the concrete. He was down in Florida for many years, and now he's moved to the state of Washington to do this job. And whenever they're doing these big jobs of building roads with concrete, or they're building foundations with concrete, or they're building buildings with concrete, he is there to test this concrete. Now, the construction workers, you can imagine, don't love that he's there. Do you know why? Because if he tests it and it doesn't measure up, they have to start over. They have to throw away that concrete that they were using and they have to start over. So he is not a loved person often at these concrete sites. And when he, he's doing his test, he takes a sample of the concrete. He allows it the proper time to solidify and be strong. And then he puts it in a machine and the machine presses in on the concrete and it just keeps incre increasing pressure until it breaks. And the machine tells him what that number is. And he has to have this certain number 
or they have to throw out that concrete. But if it goes past that number and it's strong enough, he tells them, yeah, your mixture and your sample is approved. It's strong enough to handle what you're going to build. And that kind of pressure machine, that kind of test is what God wants to whisper in our ears. That's why he wants to bring us to his word and say, is what you're building strong enough for the storms and the pressure that are going to come in your life, in your personal life of temptation, in your relationships, with your family, and all of your ministry, he wants it to be approved. And this is what Noah really showed over a matter of time, is that his faith made him strong. You know, theologians said that it probably took him decades to build the ark. Some would say well over 50 years it took him to build the ark. And I was just really blown away by that. I'm thinking, how do you keep faith? I can, I can keep faith a lot of times for a week or a month or my faith feels strong maybe for a whole year. He was building this boat for decades, probably under ridicule. Noah, what in the world are you doing? Why are you spending your time and energy building something? And he had to just keep plugging away and have faith. No, I know I heard from God. I'm going to keep doing this the next decade and the next decade and the next decade because I believe, God, that something's coming, that this is going to save us. And it ended up being true. We're going to sing a song here about building a firm foundation. And I believe that one of the motivations that Noah had in building that ark is because he knew God loved him. If you know that there's a powerful God and we're in awe of God like Noah was, but you also believe that he loves you, that he has your best in mind, I believe that we can have faith for a long period of time and we can build that foundation because we can trust him. He cares for us more than anyone else. And that's what that song is that we're going to sing, is about building a firm foundation because we know that God loves us. Let's pray for that.